0: Actually, don't know how to start this because Sophie usually is the one that starts this. Hello and welcome to season six of um, Nicholas's Podcasting Jar. Uh, this is season six, and this season is titled uh, Sophie Wanick Presents Video Game Novels, Novelizations, and a Justification for a Honeymoon Vacation. Uh, I am uh, it's starring Sophie Wanick. However, it's not because uh, she is out this month. She has
1: Stephen Margellos.
0: Uh wait, One second, please, guest. I will get to you. In a sure. I haven't introduced you. I haven't introduced you yet. But uh, sure. so, so Sophie's out. She just took the bar. She finished that. Um, she did take it. She fin- she took it. Yes. And now she is on her bachelorette weekend. Uh, and so we were not wow. able to uh, get together for a episode. Uh, so, so I how decided to take
1: to get results.
0: I haven't introduced you yet. I haven't introduced you yet and well How long does it take to get results? She'll find out in September.
1: She'll find out in September. Okay. So she'll so find we'll, out she, she won't be back till September, folks. Yeah, she's <laughs> going
0: to be in an anxiety-fueled state worrying about the bar and the results of it for quite a uh, quite some time. That's right, folks. Yeah, so uh, hello everyone to the podcast. I'm oh god uh, my <laughs> guest is eating oatmeal, I think, right now. Uh, speaking of my guest, let's introduce him. He is uh, my brother uh, in 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 arms, because he uh, is in the Navy. But also, he is my actual brother, um, Stephen uh, Margalos. How are you today?
1: I'm doing pretty good. Nick, I uh, haven't seen you in um, like a, a year and a half. It has been um, some time. Or a little bit more, maybe, so... It's nice to see you. It's nice to see you as well. I'm glad that uh, you seem to be doing well. You seem healthy. Yeah, I mean, I guess. Uh, I have a little bit of a headache today. My hair is... I like, I cannot um, tell you how nice your hair looks. And I know that you've probably done absolutely nothing with it um, today. Um, but it just highlights how shitty my hair is. I think your hair looks pretty like, good today. I've been trying to make it look nice. For the last, like, I don't know, since April, uh-huh. I've been trying to make it look nice. What are and you doing to try to make it look nice? I've been, like, growing it out. I've been, like, I've even bought, like, shampoo and conditioner. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those, that, those things um, help. Pair, that's what Sophie said. Yeah. um, Sophia, our sister. I see. And actually, Liz said that, too.
0: Yeah. I mean, most people will tell you to use shampoo and conditioner. <laughs> I was using the three-in-one, baby. Yeah, okay. (laughs) Um, Three-in-one. You buy the two separate, and then once they get like halfway down, then you just mix them. That's what I do. Shampoo and conditioner? Yeah, I'll buy both separate, a shampoo and a conditioner, and then when they're both about halfway, the bottles are halfway, I just mix them. Then you got your two-in-one. No.
1: No. Yeah, that's the way you do it. (laughs) That's terrible. No, you don't do that. That is what I do, actually, yes. Why?
0: You what do you were I mean? have... using three in one. Don't judge me. Yeah, I was doing it to save money. Oh my gosh. Okay. So on this podcast, on this podcast, Steve, usually we talk about um, a video game. It's called novelizations, but I've honestly found that I can't really find too many video game novelizations. One of the reasons I wanted to do this podcast was uh, we found I found that Alan Wake book, and we had talked about it I think on a previous season. Yeah a little bit, and it was really good, and I was really happy with it, and I was like, oh, I kind of want to read more things like this, and I haven't really found uh, too many. There was a a Halo novelization that I read, Uh, there was a Batman Arkham Knight novelization that I read, but everything else is usually just like video game novels that exist in the universe, which is also what we're talking about today, uh, which is a Mass Effect novel. So that's, that's the first part of the podcast. And for you, Stephen, who I'm sure hasn't listened to the podcast, and those of you who are maybe a first-time listener, the other thing that we do on this podcast is talk about uh, our honeymoon and, like, vacations in general, what we enjoy doing on vacations, what we want to do for specifically me and Sophie's honeymoon. Um, excuse you.
1: Is that going to be bad on the audio?
0: Probably, yeah, absolutely. I think most things that you do are bad for the audio.
1: That makes me sad.
0: Uh so I guess let's talk let's talk first and foremost about uh Mass Effect. Do you have any memories from the Mass Effect franchise?
1: Yeah, I will say the first memory that comes to mind is how many of the camera angles were zoomed in on like female's butts. Yes. Um, yeah, a lot of
0: butts, a lot of big boobs in this in this game.
1: Um that is I think my first memory when you were like we're going to do the thing about Mass Effect. <laughs> Interesting. Wow. So it has nothing to do with the story. <laughs> and then the second thing, which maybe we'll talk about later, was the big flop of the third game. Mm, yes,
0: okay, we can get to that as well. Um, so just as an, a quick overview of the Mass Effect franchise. Mass Effect, the first game came out, it was a, what do you call it? Like an, is it? A, it's an RPG, right? A role-playing yeah, game. Yeah, it's an RPG. Uh, where it you can kind it, of... It can be-
1: an action rpg right yes
0: because there is like some shooting elements involved but then there's a lot of like just kind of like pick and choose your own adventure type thing where you're you have dialogue choices and you essentially play as uh commander shepherd uh you can either play as a female or male version of commander shepherd and you take over a ship called normandy and you have to in the first game defeat this guy named Saren. um essentially what has happened is Ameri- uh, the Earth has discovered uh, these ways to almost uh, quickly transport a-, a ship through space, called uh, the Mass
1: Effect. Mass relays. The mass relays, so, yes. So the discovery, so like thirty years before the first Mass Effect game takes place, yeah, on Mars, we discovered a technology right. that allows you to travel like interdimensionally, yeah. um, with like very little. Um, Like time and energy, basically. And the discovery was called the mass effect. But the actual technologies are called mass relays.
0: It was in 2148, a mere nine years ago, that the mining team on Mars had unearthed the remains of a long-abandoned alien research station deep beneath the planet's surface... It was heralded as the most significant discovery in human history, a singular event that changed everything forever. Every major religion on Earth was rocked to its core. Dozens of new belief systems sprang up overnight, most of them based on the tenets of evolutionary zealots who proclaimed the discovery as proof that all human history had been directed and controlled by alien forces many existing faiths try to incorporate the reality of alien species into their existing mythologies others scramble to rewrite their history creeds and beliefs in light of the new knowledge a stubborn few refuse to acknowledge the truth proclaiming that the mars bunker was a secular hoax intended to deceive and mislead believers from the true path even now, nearly a decade later, most religions were still trying to reassemble the pieces. There were some who insisted that the sudden unification of Earth's various governments into a single political entity had happened a little too quickly, and conveniently, The infonets were swarming with theories claiming the Mars bunker had actually been discovered long before it was publicly announced. The report of a mining team unearthing it was just a well-timed cover story. The formation of the Alliance, they asserted, was in fact the final stage of a long and complicated series of secret international treaties and clandestine backroom deals that had taken years or even decades to negotiate. Protheans, the name given to the unknown alien species, had clearly been far more technologically advanced than humanity, and they had vanished long ago. Most estimates place the find at nearly 50,000 years old, predating the evolution of modern man. However, the Protheans had built a station from materials unlike anything found naturally on Earth, and even the passing of 50 millennia had done little to damage the valuable treasures inside. It took months of round the clock study, but eventually the code of the Prothean language was broken and the pieces began to fall into place. Through the adaption of Prothean technology, humanity was able to develop mass effect fields, enabling faster-than-light travel. No longer were vessels bound by the harsh and unforgiving limits of space-time continuum. Similar leaps followed in other areas, clean and efficient new energy sources, environmental advances terraforming. In 2148, a research team exploring the farthest fringes of human expansion realized that Charon, a small satellite orbiting Pluto, wasn't actually a moon. It was actually an enormous piece of prothean technology, a mass relay, floating for tens of thousands of years in the cold depths of space. It had become encased in a shell of ice and frozen debris several several hundred kilometers thick.
1: and then they ruined it the whole game we'll, yeah. get, to, so we'll the... get to it we'll get to it we'll get to it but
0: yeah you're essentially right it's it, we found this thing on mars we thought that the protheans had created it um, and so we traveled yeah. through space anyway there's like a un type thing for all of the different alien creatures that get together called the citadel which is like a united nations type thing and and they uh there's three big aliens that are on top like the turians the asari and the Salarians. there's like six of them well there's the three big ones that are on the council and then there's a few other ones
1: okay yeah
0: but those ones have been like around the longest and then humans are the newest species to essentially be a part of this UN, but they're making a big splash because we have a big army. People think that humans are aggressive. We got into a fight with the Turian race called an, in a war called the First Contact War, which was a big deal. A lot of Turians hate humans, which is Partly why Saren hates humans. Saren lost his brother during the first Contact War. Saren is a Turian, so he hates humans. Uh, he's honestly just like a, a racist in general. He hates all other races except for Turians.
1: My name, my name is Saren, Montoya. You killed my brother. Prepare to die.
0: Very good. Uh, I hope I've explained that at least. So that we, your whole game is that you're going after Saren in the first game, and you essentially, uh, along the way, get a motley crew of other alien species to help you defeat him. And then you discover that there is this um, ancient race called the Collectors or the Reapers. They're called the Reapers. The Reapers. From a long time ago, and supposedly, like every six hundred thousand years, they. It's every uh, five thousand. Oh wow! Okay. That's a lot faster than I thought, but, um, but they essentially just like kill everybody and enslave a bunch of people. No, and...
1: not everyone. They, so all as, like
0: all organic life forms
1: as no, no, no. as like societies progress yeah, every 5,000 years, they wipe out that the society at its pinnacle and it typically oh. takes, it typically takes every 5,000 years for that like, civilization to reach its pinnacle. Um, and the reason that the Reapers do that are, the Re- the Reapers are literally an AI right um, system. And they are, like... Bless. God bless you. <laughs> oh, God bless you again. They were, orig- they were originally programmed to, like, help maintain peace. Um, but they created, like, this system to, like, also advance, um... You know civilizations. So once yeah. they they created these, the reason that these mass relays are so big, uh, are that so that other civilizations can find them. Right. And when they do, they start this huge expansion of you know, you know building and all this all this stuff of just technological advancement. Um, and then in around five thousand years, they destroy it all, um, be basically because their like predictive algorithms say that after a certain point the the other civilizations create ai that are like more destructive than they are yeah and the whole reason that we're like chasing Saron is because he's looking for like the elder reaper he doesn't know that like yet but like right. he's like on the hunt for like this super powerful Like spaceship basically. Yeah. Is what he thinks it is.
0: And we don't fully know this until towards the end of the first game, but these Reapers have this ability to sort of control people's mind. And what's something that's called the, the people is gets indoctrinated. And we actually find out that Saren has been indoctrinated uh, and actually is getting his like mind controlled, which is it makes a lot of people not really because like Commander Shepard finds this out. But then like no one believes him. So it's a lot of like trying to convince like the U.N. of space to believe him. It's about and they're like, no, Saren's one of our own. He would never do this, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and so you have to kind of like figure out the stuff for yourself. What else? Uh, but yeah, the, the idea of the Reapers is kind of what the whole rest of the series is then about. In the second game we find, um, wait, the, does the, Saren kill himself? Depends. So it's, it depends on what choices you make. You can convince him to kill himself, but then he turns into like a, yeah, he Reaper, turns into like a fucking Saren hybrid. Yeah. Yeah. Regardless, like no right matter after. if you, no matter if you convince him or not, he's going to turn into that. But then, if you convince him, you won't have to kill him because then you have to kill the human or the alien version of him, and then the hybrid version. But if you convince him, then you just have to do the hybrid version.
1: Those types of choices that happened, especially I think in the first and second game, made it feel as if like they had large impacts on like the society and the story like at large. Right. Um. Which, which I think, was the huge
0: draw to like those games. Yes. Well, and and the advertising advertising of those games if i remember correctly was like your choices matter like these choices are really important
1: yeah yeah and they and that's what they seemed like um for sure in the first two games um like you know what you were doing had like this significant value and was part of like this larger story of you know what was going to
0: happen right and so i think what we're getting at here is we're we're tipping our toes towards the results of the third and final trilogy of this initial games uh which in some ways is the uh how i met your mother of video game endings uh where they really kind of uh, shit the bed a little bit not really i mean i'm playing the game right now and it is quite enjoyable it is those it's those final moments though that um really yeah, it's is, the last moment it's yeah. the last
1: it's the last big decision that you right. make right
0: yes the big decision that you really feel like is a absolute lose 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 scenario i will say that so the book that i read is called mass effect revelation written by drew carpishian carpishian and he uh, also was the writer, the lead writer of the games, at least the first two games. So the first two games written by Drew. Wow. All three, all three novels were written by Drew, but then he stopped uh, working for Bioware because he wanted to focus on his noveling career because he really believed that he was a good writer. So. And I guess we'll talk about that in a second, but uh, we'll what? talk and about not- his novel skills. No, I uh, we can get into it a little bit after we talk about more about Mass Effect 3, but I actually really liked this novel. Um, but anyway, the big sort of, uh, and correct me if I'm wrong, Steve, the big decision, the last decision of the game that uh, you have to decide is to how you're going to get rid of the Reapers. You can either combine all sentient and AI life together as one of them. You could kill all... AI and technology everywhere, which is going to hurt a lot of people, put us back a few years, and like geth will get destroyed and stuff like that. And also, Commander Shepard will get destroyed because he's like a a cyborg at this point. There's one other option too, isn't there?
1: Yeah, I think the third one was in some strange way, like Shepard became part of like the becomes a god. Yes, exactly. That's what
0: it is. Yes where he like becomes the ultimate reaper and he can like control everybody and bring peace to the galaxy, I guess. Yeah. And um, that's how he does it. But it all, it all sucks. It all sucks. None of it's really good. Um, the only one that I think is like the, I guess, good ending is the one where you destroy all AI and technology everywhere. Cause that's the only one where commander lives at the end. Uh, yeah. cause you don't actually see him like around anymore. Everyone m- mourns his death, but you see him, like, uh, do, like, a, a breathe, you know, like, uh, uh, he, like, breathes in, breath. in the rubble, yeah, right at the last second, like, at the end credits or whatever. So, yeah, it was a little bit of a, of a bummer of a final game because you felt like, oh, I've been doing all of these decisions for three long games, and now all I get are these three shitty choices to end the entire franchise on, you know And all
1: of them ended, yeah, and all of them kind of felt, like, the same. Like, they were all, right. like... You know, the the point of like, you know, making all these decisions, like some of your decisions killed entire races. Right. Like you were you were having battles that destroyed like entire races of planets right. and you're gonna be like, Well, you know, somehow the the race that I picked will come into play and never comes right. back. Right. You know, like whether or not you were a terrible dick the whole time Right. or you were a great guy the whole time, right. you could still decide on those three choices. Right, you still had those three choices no matter what. Yeah. Like it's a it's no a lot matter, about the
0: journey and not the destination, I guess.
1: Yeah, like you like I think that it would have been nice to get to the end and like a decision was made for you because of like who you cultivated as a character. Right. Even though like those those endings been were cool, shitty. Yeah. Like even all even like despite the fact that all the endings sucked, like you could have played any game and then still at the end of the, like we're in the exact same position as anyone else that played the game right. because you had those exact still like you had three options you had three fucking dialogue choices at the end and yeah. it was like no matter what you did at the end it's still like make a decision right here um, and that's what I think was the big spit in the face to like all the players was just like you know I I had created a character and for a lot of people that character you know, remain the same for all three games. Right. You know, and then I chose like, that. The, oh, like right, right now I'm playing the game and like, Oh,
0: shepherd's a dick, but he is, he does care about krogans. you know what I mean? So like a lot of like the Paragon, the good options are caring about Krogan's and stuff. And, and, but you can be a dick and you can take away their ability, like to reproduce and stuff like that. Uh, and I was a dick about everything else except for the Krogan stuff. And you can keep that up all three games. You know what I mean? You can have that yeah. be a, a character choice. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, though. Go ahead.
1: No, but, like, that's a good point. Like, that's a good example, because, yeah. like, at the end of the game, like, the, the Krogans are affected the same fucking way no matter yeah. what decision you make. Right. And they have absolutely no impact on the fact that you have these three choices. Right. Um, and, you know, I think it would have been nice for, like, the game to have developed, like, a type of character that you are, you know, like, you know, good, evil you know, evil, evil, you know, all that, all those types of things, you know, there's right. at least, you could at least decide on at least two, right? You could just, or at least three, right? Which is like a neutral character, a good character and an evil character, right? Like at the very least. And then like, by the time that your that decision had come about, it was just like your character automatically made one because of where they lied. Yes. In all of these decisions some... coming
0: up to it, take a place, take a part in the final decision.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but that's not what happened at all. It was just like you, you just, you know, you could be content with the fact that you enjoyed the first two games um, and then this one happened. Yeah. All right, so let me,
0: let me explain a little bit of, of the book to you. So the book uh, is essentially a prequel to the first game and you follow, uh, who is currently, I think, He's uh, a captain? He's a lieutenant? Which one's lower, captain or lieutenant? You would know.
1: Um In... Well, I guess it's Lieutenant for sure.
0: Lieutenant's lower? So he's Lieutenant yeah. Anderson right now. Okay. Um, who, in the game, I think he's Captain Anderson, and then even gets uh, up to Admiral Anderson at some point in the in the Mass Effect franchise. Uh, he's a, he is, in charge of a ship? He's in charge of the Normandy before Commander Shepard
1: takes over. Hmm. It's interesting that space items follow, like... Navy or ship type of rank. I mean, yeah, they're structure. they're
0: they're ships. I mean, it's it's spaceships, but it's still ships. Oh, interesting. So anyway, uh, at, the, at the time, Lieutenant Anderson, young young up and up and comer. You talk with him in the first game, and he tells you a little bit about how he had a run in with Saren early on, and essentially this book is that story. And I've also read the Halo novels, and a lot of the Halo novels are they're they're mainly just like war novels. You know what I mean? They're just like People yeah. in fighting, and this is how they fight, and this is what they do. Uh, not much, like, emotion or anything like that. But these books have a lot of emotion. They have a lot of, like, intrigue and people trying to manipulate other people. I will say one of my favorites. So, Saren is in this book, um, and he even has, like, some just chapters dedicated to him. And although he is – he's a, a still, like, a, a bad guy, kind of. He's a very, like, charismatic bad guy. He has, like, a lot of, like, really badass lines – Move your hand away from your weapon and roll over, Saren called out, raising his pistol and holding it in both hands as he aimed it at the corpse, or I'll shoot you right now. After a second, the hand slowly drew back from the scattered gun. The man rolled onto his back, gasping loudly for air. He'd been holding his breath as Saren approached, trying to play dead. Please, don't kill me, he begged as Saren took a step towards him. The pistol trained on the spot right between his eyes. I didn't even fight in the first contact war. Some specters arrest people, Saren said, his tone casual. I don't. Wait, the man screamed, scrambling back until he was pressed up against the wall. Wait, I have information. Saren didn't say anything. Instead, he lowered the gun and gave a short nod. It's another group of mercs, the Blue Suns. Every specter working on the verge knew the Blue Suns were a force to be reckoned with. A small but well-known group. Their members were both experienced and professional. The exact opposite of this crew. Go on. They're up to something. Something big. What? "I I I don't know, the man stammered, wincing as if he expected to be shot for the admission. After the second it took him to realize he was still alive, he plowed forward, speaking quickly. That's how we got in on this buy. The Blue Suns were supposed to take the shipment, but they pulled out. I-, I heard they got a major job in the works, something that they didn't want to risk by-, by-, by drawing attention of a Spectre with a weapons buy. Siren was intrigued. Whatever they were up to had to be big. The Blue Suns almost never turned their backs on a deal they'd already negotiated. If they were trying that hard to keep Spectres out of the picture... It meant he damn well better find out what it was going on. What else? That's all I know, the man said. I swear, if you want more, you need to look at the Blue Suns. So, do we have a deal? Saren gave a snort. Deal? You know, I give you information about the Blue Suns and you let me live? The specter raised his pit's pistol again. You should have negotiated before you spilled your guts. You got nothing left to bargain with. What? No, please don't. The pistol put an end to his protests and Saren turned and walked calmly back inside. And he says a lot of like cool stuff. Sometimes you're like, Oh, this guy is kind of cool. He's not good, but he's kind of cool. You know what I mean? Uh, which kind of was an interesting sort of look into Saren before he obviously gets indoctrinated. Um, this novel, we see how he gets indoctrinated uh just by his own like own yeah. selfishness um which they like, never
1: I would I would say that is like a good representation of like the differences between like this the what made the Mass Effect series different yeah, absolutely. than other games. Yeah, I
0: never even thought about that. Yeah.
1: It was like the charismaticness of their characters of like um this this ve- like you know characters had a personality like mm-hmm. and they had a world that yes. you could oh, definitely dive into. That was different than a lot of games at the time.
0: Yes, there was so much mythology and so much, like... Yeah. And there was also, like, a lot of references to the game or references to other things. Like, there was a lot of, like, oh, that's a Star Trek reference there. But, yeah, so... And I and what also, I think what you're kind of saying there is... The games, you know how they do this sort of like good and bad. You can either be like a good Commander Shepard you can be a bad Commander Shepard. But the bad Commander Shepard sometimes is more fun. I think this book kind of explains that in a way. You know what I mean? Where uh, Lieutenant Anderson is like the Paragon, the good guy. Uh, but And, and it, it's, a, it's a feel-good feeling. But the Saren is like the renegade bad guy. And that one like looks a little bit more fun sometimes but you, it, there's like a sickening feeling to it you know what i mean so i like how that yeah. kind of the book even uh embraces those emotions a little bit because uh, you kind of get a little bit of both um so yeah Saren's really cool we see whoever the ambassador is before udina or whatever there's this ambassador named ambassador goyle um and she's like a super badass she's like really great at like manipulating the council to get her way Maybe this is just part of the process of assimilating humanity into the interstellar community, Goyle thought warily, a gradual and inevitable evolution that will bring the Alliance into line with the rest of the species who answer to the Council. But maybe we're just fundamentally different from other species, Goyle also thought, only half listening to the judgment that was being handed down. Maybe we don't fit in because there's something wrong with us. Maybe we are just antagonistic. Maybe they're scared of us. They're, they're actually scared of us. No, she said sharply, cutting off the Solarian as he droned on his list of, of demands of her. No, he said puzzled. No what? I do not accept these terms. She had almost made a terrible mistake. She had let these aliens manipulate her, twist her mind until she doubted herself and her people. But she wasn't about to grovel before them now. She wasn't about to apologize for humanity acting human. This is not a negotiation, the Turian warned her. That's where you were wrong, she said with a fierce smile. Humanity had chosen her as their representative, their champion. It was her duty to defend the rights of every man, woman, and child on Earth and across Alliance space. They needed her now, and she would fight for them. Ambassador... Perhaps you fail to understand the gravity of the situation, the Asari suggested. You're the ones that don't understand, was Goyle's stern reply. These sanctions you're proposing will cripple humanity. The Alliance will not allow this to happen. I won't allow this to happen. Do you really think humanity can defy the Council? The Turian asked. Do you honestly believe your people could triumph in a war against our combined forces? No. Goyle freely admitted, but we wouldn't go down easy. I don't think you're willing to go to war over something like this, not with us. The cost would be too high. Too many ships and lives lost in a conflict we all want to avoid. Not to mention the impact it would have on all other species. We're the dominant force in the Skylian Verge and the Atanic Traverse. Alliance expansion drives the economies of these regions. Alliance ships and soldiers help maintain order out there. From the expressions and the respective holographic projections, the ambassador could see she'd hit a nerve. Eager to press her point, she kept speaking before any members of the council could respond. Humanity is a major trade partner with half a dozen other species in Citadel space, including each of your own races. We make up over 15% of the population here in the Citadel, and there are thousands of humans working in in CSEC and the Citadel Control. We've been part of the galactic community for less than a decade, and we're already too important, too essential for you to simply force us out. She continued her tirade, still talking even as she drew in a much-needed breath, a technique she'd mastered early on in her political career. I'll admit we made a mistake. There should be some type of penalty, but humans take risks. We push the boundaries. That's who we are. Sometimes we go too far... But that doesn't give you the right to slap us down like overly strict parents. Humanity has a lot to learn about dealing with other species. But you have just as much to learn about dealing with us. And you better learn fast. Because we humans are here to stay. Which is really fun. It's really fun to see how... It's really fun to see... Because like humans are new to this universe. You know what I mean? They're new to being a part of the Citadel and, and the UN and all this kind of stuff. So it's nice to see how she is trying to build up humans as a race that is to be reckoned with, that, is to be a, that wants to be a part of it. You know what I mean? Because obviously throughout the games, then we see humans really kind of make their way in there. And so it's nice to see her sort of build a foundation of that.
1: I thought that was really cool. Um, Can I ask a question? Yeah, go for it. I know it. In, the, in the first game, um, like a big moment in the first game was becoming like a specter. Right. I think. Um, Does the book at all talk about, like, how at all that became a thing?
2: Like, it just seems like a
1: strange thing because, like, these guys, I think, like, Spectres, like, stand for, you know, like, special Special... reconnaissance. Yes. Something. Exactly, yes.
0: I wish I had it somewhere here.
1: Um, But basically, they're just, like, they're these these special ops guys um, that are, like, above the law.
0: Right. Well, they work for the council. They work kind of for the Citadel a little bit.
1: Yeah. Um. And it is straight It seems strange that something like that would even like emerge. Right. Like the fact that we would just be like, you know, we really these like this person. These people have no rules. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're gonna let these people do whatever
0: they want. Uh. Yeah. It's it's special tactics, tactics, and re- and recon. Special, yeah, tactics special tactics and
1: recon. And recon. Yeah, specters. So. Um. But I just was curious if the book at all talked about how that yeah, like, came about.
0: Not really. Um, they talk about sort of the rules of it. They talk about how Lieutenant Anderson was up for the running of it. And they talk about how it's very prestigious. And that it's there is a lot of like work to get someone involved in it and stuff like that. But there's no like origin story of it or anything. Um, which would be interesting. Because, I mean, in general, the Spectres are a very cool... I don't know. They have a lot of privileges and you're like, where does all of this, where does this come from? Cause then even commander yeah. Shepard gets it in the third game. He has a lot of, I mean, he gets it in the first game, but he has a lot of like special privileges in the third game where you're like, I'm allowed to do this.
1: Like, I don't know. Yeah. It's just, it's, it seems strange, especially like, so the big thing, at least in the first game was that uh, commander Shepard got to, was like the first human to become a specter. Right. Right. Um, and the reasoning for it seemed lame. It was like, you know, he was searching for Sauron or whatever. And like Sauron became a threat. And that was basically the reason that they made him a specter was like, go find this guy.
0: Yeah. I'm trying, I'm trying to remember if there was like what the big moment was for him. Yeah. I guess that was really it. It was just that, I mean, there was also the idea that. He that Anderson was supposed to be a specter, and that they had been they had been vying to get them as part of uh, they had been trying to get some human to be a specter for so long, and so yeah. now that Commander Shepard was doing something somewhat big, they're like, all right, we're gonna we're gonna we'll give it to him. Um,
1: yeah, this seems interesting, and um, I was curious on where such a position would come from. So.
0: And we can come back to Mass Effect, but uh, we've, we've covered the game a little bit. We've covered um, the, the book a little bit. And now we do need to talk about a honeymoon.
1: Yeah. So where are you guys going?
0: So we're going to Hawaii, or, or technically Kauai. Kauai. Yeah. A lover's Island, is, I think is what it's been called.
1: It's like a small island part. that's part of Hawaii? Yeah. It's, I think
0: it's like the second to last one. Okay. Um, actually one sec Before we get into the honeymoon We're going to take a quick break Because I, uh, I have two dogs over right now We're watching uh, uh, Lincoln's brother While Lincoln's brother's mother Is with Sophie on her bachelorette party So I'm going to go check on the dogs real fast And I'll be right back
1: And we'll be right party? back
0: Because no, we're going to take a commercial break yeah, you can keep recording. I'll just be right back Alright well we're back now Hello everyone Welcome to the podcast. Uh, the dogs Yahoo!
1: are
0: the dogs are doing good. Uh, they why they need to be checked on? I just want to make they're outside right now playing. I just wanted to make sure that they were not like crying to come in or something like that. You know?
1: Yeah, f them, dude. Dogs belong outside. Uh, what do you like to do on a vacation, Steve? I don't know. Like, I felt, I felt, I feel as if like I live in a vacation. Um town. Because you're out
0: in San Diego.
1: Yeah, I live in San Diego. Um must be nice. And you won't you can move whenever the fuck you want, so.
0: I really I I can't though, I don't think, because um Sophie has she's a lawyer here in Iowa. And I've also bought a house here, so
1: Yeah, well, just make it a rental property.
0: That's true. I could rent it out.
1: If anyone like, wants buy to. A-
0: if anyone wants to live in Des Moines for a bit, let me
1: know. That's that is like the place for sure. Like in homes where they're like a little bit cheaper uh-huh. to buy. Like I think in big populated areas like this, where like housing is so expensive, I would never like buy a home buy a to make house. it a rental property. But well, no, I in, might buy in a in home. Fuck Iowa, you would yeah but like i could I would think about getting one in something like yeah Des Moines, Iowa why not like there's people, people come to you know visit there and do stuff yeah. there, um and people live there and need need a home to rent for a little while or whatever yeah. it is, especially um, in like the college towns
0: if you went up to like Ames or Iowa City, you could definitely do something out there,
1: yeah Des Moines um, too, and I but. think that I think that like um people come in for game day. The, the issue with, like, uh, any rental is that, like, you lose money the months that it's not being rented, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and the more the more that the rent that you need to charge for the places, the more that you're going to lose every month. So, like, right. on a home here, it would be, like, $3,000 a month or whatever. And, like, right. you know, if I couldn't find a tenant, if I had to do, like, repairs or whatever, right. um, like, you know, that could be many be months of, of rent that I lost out on and yeah. a lot of money that I don't but, have. But also the, the
0: house is going to go up in value over time, potentially. So
1: you're yeah, gaining a little bit of money there. Potentially. Potentially. But yeah. So yeah. Anyway, anyway, what were we, were talking, we talking, about? talking about? How do we get on
0: this? I
1: don't know. Um, um. I asked you to move out. Oh, I feel like I'm in a college town. Oh uh, yes. I feel like I'm in a vacation, vacation. town. Vacation.
0: Yes, 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 yes. Um,
1: So, like, what have I been doing? I like to sit in my underwear.
0: Yeah, I can see Um, that.
1: Yeah. Uh, I do like to sit in my underwear a lot. I've definitely found enjoyment in watching, like, the sunset. Oh, Um, that's nice. What do you, like, how long do you watch the sunset for? I don't know, 15 minutes until it's gone. Interesting. So you,
0: you get out your, what, you go out to your patio or you go out to the beach or something? Sit, yeah. Set set your set yourself up, and then you just sit there for fifteen minutes.
1: Yeah, sit down on the bench and watch the sunset. Maybe it's and less than go fifteen back minutes. Yeah, cool. Um, what do you think about? What do you think about? I feel about. I think about like how um, nice it is to live out here, um, and how like everything's really pretty, and um, that I'm really happy. Think about being, being
0: grateful. Here. Gratefulness. That's
1: good. Yeah um yeah i feel i think grateful thoughts um i think that like if i were to go on like an actual vacation to somewhere what would i like to do um like some sort of like uh like scuba diving Ooh, it'd be cool
0: why, why which is i that? could do here, you I about
1: scuba diving i don't know it's like the Mm. being under the water with a Mm. tank. Yeah.
0: I find the sea scarier than I do space. I would rather be an astronaut and go to space than I would be to go underwater like in a submarine or something. Why? I don't know. I just find it very, like, the water is somehow both, I don't know, like claustrophobic and the most expansive thing on earth. You know what I mean? Sure. I feel like there's weird, like uh, little like tunnels and stuff. And then there's like fish that are freaking crazy
1: weird and stuff like that. I don't know. Yeah. There's like, it's not only like desolate because it's this huge area of like nothingness, but there's also like shit that lives there. So you can also get eaten. Right. Um, when like space seems, there's no space. Probably. Ships yeah exactly space seems just more desolate <laughs> yeah um but i mean i don't know we could eventually get there and then there's like you right. know the poison poison rock that oh yeah fucking eats your yeah eats you up what about you so i mean what i like to
0: do well so here's two things one thing is i think i'm gonna go so i have a week i got a new job did i tell you about this no but mom had mentioned it mom mentioned it to you so also to my listeners i got a new job uh what's really been fun about doing this podcast is that it has documented a lot of my big life events moving to iowa getting the job at confluence switching over to a new position at confluence blah 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 stuff like that getting engaged now we're gonna get married blah 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 yeah uh, me Joining you joining the Navy. You joining the Navy. Yeah. That part also is partly in the, uh, Decembros universe of podcasts, which uh, yeah. people can also listen to at, um, what is it? It's probably under Maydays right now. I think
1: if you look I up, think it's still under Decembros. Mm, okay. We got to figure that out. But the, the title will be Maydays. Yeah. We'll figure it out. We'll it's Maydays it out. on Spotify.
0: It's Maydays on Spotify. Check it out. Um, we just, uh, did our, uh, season three slash four of it, uh, which, uh, was what back in January? No, it was yeah. February. No, it was March.
1: As a, as a, as a quick warning, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you this symbol, um, uh, when I need to go emergency diarrhea. Cause I feel some, you got something, something coming.
0: Brewing. All right, well we, we can wrap um, it up soon. We we're 45. Well, we minutes, can take a pause. I still this. would
1: like to talk. Okay. We can talk for, well, a l- actually I think you it got it. To it's do. time to
0: go. All right, so we're gonna. We'll we'll, <laughs> well wrap, <wait>. it <laughs> wrap it up.
1: I don't. Just text me when up, you're though.
0: text me when you're when you're all finished up, and we'll get it back on.
1: Okay, it'll be quick. It's gonna flow straight through me.
0: All right. Well, we'll we'll. This is another commercial it break.
1: Long, it might be a long like cleanup, you know. But okay. Another okay. commercial break, and we'll, and we'll pick up.
2: Here's the situation, everyone. I had to take the most disgusting worst test of my life. <laughs> it was disgusting. I probably failed it, who fucking knows. Won't know until September. Anyway, uh as a result, I was not able to watch or listen to Nicholas Margellos play the video game Mass Effect. As a result, He has to find alternative sources for the guests this podcast and he is taking over as host and I'm going to say this once, he's only the host for this episode and he will never be the host ever again. So don't worry, please continue to subscribe. Don't leave the podcast just because of this one episode. If you want to skip through it, it's fine. I understand, but know that I will be back. (laughs) I'll be back i will be back next month so please don't unsubscribe stick around until you can hear about me next episode is our call in of duty oh, yeah. episode basically we talk about call of duty and we take in call-ins.
0: Well, no we're gonna do a bonus episode first
2: oh yeah i guess we're doing a bonus episode too um but anyway while you're listening to this episode um i i Currently, I um, have just finished the bar and I am drinking heavily and I will be on my bachelorette party. So unfortunately, I cannot participate in this week or this month's episode. But just so you know, just so we don't leave out any of the main characteristics of our show. Hey, Google, how many months until November 13, 2021? Three months, two weeks. (gasps) Three months, two weeks. Did you hear that? Hey, Google, how many weeks until november 13 2021
0: 15 weeks three days.
2: <gasps> 15 weeks hey google how many days until november 13 2021 <laughs> that motherfucker hey google how many days until november 13 2021
0: november 13 2021 is in 108 days. <gasps>
2: We're, We're eight almost away. to the double digits, friends. And let me tell you, I am just exci- as excited as you. Probably more because I'm the one getting married. I
0: imagine you're much more so excited.
2: <laughs> so yeah. I'm really sorry for the next people that come up and speak to you. They're not going to be as great as me. But just stick around and remember, next month I'll be back.
0: We're back, Steve. How'd it come out?
2: Um, slippery.
0: Wow. I will say he was right. It it did come out quite quickly. You were you were back within. I mean, less than five minutes. I. It feel.
1: was. That's why I gave you the motion when I had to.
0: Um, I was thinking about this the other day. I used to. I would take shits at school, and in order to make people not think that I was taking shits. I would always stuff uh, tissue paper up my nose and pretend like I had I was in the bathroom for so long because I had a bloody nose.
1: Really, I you I used. It's a good yeah, lie, right? Well, it was really good. I used to miss like entire class periods because of shits. Like I remember specifically, <laughs> like in middle school, um, just missing like entire class periods, yeah. like having. I would never do a
0: full one, but yeah, at least a having half. Having to class. go
1: like before the class started and then like coming after the class has ended and, like, talking to the teacher and being, like, hey, I'm really, really sorry, but, and I know that, like, you may have a hard time believing this, but, like, I was in the bathroom <laughs> the whole time. Anyway, this is a
0: podcast about uh, Mass Effect, um... <laughs> I, I had Sophie record um, a a like little intro for the podcast, which I I probably I'll, I'll just play it right now, or I, I just played it earlier during this little break. Uh, she was uh, this was the Wednesday after literally the day that she had finished the bar, uh, so she w- was drinking a little bit. Don't tell anybody, um, and because she was celebrating, you know what I mean. It was funny how almost every single person uh, that took the bar. Uh, or taking the bar in the past was like go get drunk tonight because y- you deserve it. Um, But so she that's so that that's what that sound was that the listeners just heard. Um, What else? Listeners hear this. Uh, we were talking. Yeah, you never about, said what you would um, like to do on vacation. Vacations. So, yeah, this is what, so what I was saying is that I'm in between jobs now, so I'm going to start a new job where I work for a cider company. It's very Ooh, exciting. I can do sales for the Des Moines area. Yeah, I think you and dad both will like this company quite a bit because they're very good. Um, and they're very nice. And they, like, actually uh, really wanted me to work for them, which was surprising and also really exciting. In between quitting, losing, quitting Confluence and joining the new job, I have a week off. So... I'm going to go on a road trip, which is kind of like, that's what I like to do on vacations. And I'm curious your thoughts on it because, um, I, I don't really know why, you know, I like road trips specifically. It's, um, I like just kind of sitting around, which is what driving is. I like seeing different sites. Um, I like the history of our country, um, being explored visually on the open road, and I'm, I'm going to try to do a little camping. I think I'm going to try to do camping with the doggo. I don't know how that's going to go. Um, but uh, we'll see. But that's kind of like what I like to do on vacations, at least. Um, and yeah. uh, I will I'll report back to the people of this podcast um, with how that trip went when uh, it gets underway. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know. That's, that's, so that's my vacation stuff.
1: Yeah. I would say that like, so I have always disliked driving, um, uh-huh. but I've recently started to like it a lot more. Yeah. Um, I think the reason that I disliked it was that I was always worried about something happening to the car every right. time that I was in it. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I'm a little bit less worried about it now that like it's my car, you know, Uh, like, you know, I basically, it was basically mine, you know, when we were driving and I'm really thankful for, you know, having a car. Um, But like, you know, I couldn't afford the car, you know, so like it wasn't really mine, like it wasn't like. You know, if something broke, I couldn't fix it. Now I can. So and right. like, and I am paying for it entirely, and like it feels like it's mine. Yeah. Um So f- for s- somehow I feel like less burdened because of that, because like I can't afford it, and like you know it's, it's yeah, I'll be okay. I get that. Um. So I have enjoyed driving more mm-hmm. since then, especially. Like in California, the driving is sure like beautiful every yeah. anywhere I go for the most yeah. of the time um you it's, love bragging about where you live I dude, I love uh, this place like i it's I don't know why anyone would live uh, <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> I agree Chicago does so like I don't know why you would live in Chicago. I don't know why you would live um like other places. So like and now you're going to get now now you're in for the whole spiel.
2: Um That's
1: great. So the biggest complaints about living in California are um like it's always on fire. If you live yeah. really close to the coast, that's not true because the coast gets rain um and storms from the coast. Okay. Um So like you, there's a lot more vegetation. It's not as deserty, but you still get, like, all the benefits of, you know, being in California. Um, yeah. So, like, fire hazards and stuff, like, well, they still happen, but they happen usually, like, the closest stuff that happens to me is usually on base um, because all that area is, like, open fields and stuff like that. Um, and the base is, you know, the biggest marine base in the world. Yeah. So, um, wow. there's a lot of space there humble brag. I mean it's not like, you know, the it's a mer- in the world. Yeah, but the biggest US marine base, you know what I'm saying? Like whatever. Um anyway, um so there's like that thing. The other thing is like, you know, natural disasters or like earthquakes um which, you know, do pose like a threat or whatever, but if you build a house with a solid foundation, you should be all right and you know there's the threat of something everywhere like there's the threat of tornadoes um in illinois um i would yeah. say i'm just as fearful about an earthquake or something destroying this my home as i would be worried about a tornado hitting our home in illinois which never happened mm-hmm. um so <sighs> those are like the, some of the two biggest things that are like out of your control then there's like the increased cost of living which i would say right. you know is a an ish, is a big mm-hmm. one but i would also say that like um salaries for job positions correlate to how much it costs to live in that area so mm-hmm. if a corporation or whatever wants you to live in that area they will right. pay you more right. um, and like or at least that is the case with my profession you know like yeah. with nursing the salary is increased because of the cost of living sure um and then i only see that as a as a benefit the idea that that it costs more to live out here is only a benefit to me because that means my housing is going to cost more um and so like you know if i retired and all i had was my home right Mm -hmm. i could i could live in iowa and have you know a 200 300 home or I can live in California and have a five thousand six hundred thousand dollar home. Um, yeah, but what
0: about when global warming drowns California?
1: <sighs> I don't then think that's gonna happen in house. my lifetime.
0: What about an earthquake where uh, California breaks off from the United States
1: and floats away?
0: Yeah. <laughs> what about that? What about your
1: fucking house then?
0: What about your fucking house then, Steve?
1: I'll still be in California.
0: Yeah, but it won't be part of the U.S.
1: Yes, it. What? Hawaii isn't connected to the U.S.? (laughs) Is it not part of the U.S.?
0: Emotionally, it is.
1: All right, so emotionally, we'll be still connected then. No,
0: because you guys left. Hawaii was never part of us. So that's why that there are a lot of here. If you left, then you're out. There'd be a that's break. the thing. Any state that leaves that has already been a part of it and then leaves can't be a, can't come back.
1: There it was probably once a part of it. You don't think Hawaii was once a part?
0: Mm. You what you believe in this Pangaea shit?
1: I'm not saying I believe in it. I don't it's believe in you anything. don't fuck with Pangaea? Um anyway.
0: Um, um.
1: And then, yeah. and, then, and then there's only benefits after that. You get to live in California.
0: Well, um, thanks. This has been Steve's TED Talk on why you should move to California. Uh, thanks, everyone, for listening to the podcast. Uh, we're going to do a bonus episode where we talk more about Mass Effect. Uh, I'm going to finally play Mass Effect Andromeda, which I've never played before. It's like a follow-up fourth game to the franchise. Yeah, Steve's nodding his head says it's bad. Um, I'm also going to read some of the Mass Effect comics, and we'll, we'll kind of discuss some of those, see if those are any good. Uh, and Sophie will be back for that. And then after that, oh, we'll okay. be doing so a Colin like episode. One. Well, no, I like to do an episode the first day of every month, and I thought since Sophie wasn't going to be around, it'd be nice to get a... Uh, uh, we, we do bonus episodes sometimes, when there's a lot of stuff that I want to get into. Like for Halo, I, we did a bonus episode, because I was going to be playing the game a lot. Uh, then we'll do a call in and then we'll do uh, some more fun stuff down the road. If you have any questions or comments or anything that you want to talk about regarding video game and novels, you can email in at nicholaspjar at com. That's nicholas, N I C H O L A S, the letter P, jar, j a r, at gmail.com. I look forward to hearing from you. Steve, I want to say thank you so much for being on today's episode. Uh, I love you dearly. Love you too. Um, and uh, if there is nothing else to discuss, uh, we shall say goodbye. As you, I, as Commander Shepard says, I should go. That's what he says when he finishes a conversation with people. I should go. He says, I should go. Uh, well, right. I should go. Or when he talking when he's talking to when he's talking to Rex, he'll just say rex shepherd and then rex you know says shepherd and then shepherd goes rex that's how they that's how they stop talking to each other all right we can end the recording and we'll end the recording in three two buckle my shoe three four shut the door you ended it already